Praise the Lord. God bless you. You may be seated. How, how, how many were able to go out somewhere last night? Somewhere, somewhere, somewhere last night. Well, well if, you, if you didn't get a chance to go to your party, this is your time. This is your time. This is your time. This is your time. We honor the Lord in this place this, this afternoon, this, this afternoon. And I just um, just honored to be standing here about a year, about a, maybe a little more than a year ago. Um, I was hospitalized due to the fact that I had a, a defective gallbladder. And um, when we went into the hospital, it was the day before Thanksgiving. And um, long story short, I had a specialist look at me, and she wanted to operate on me that night. And, but I convinced her that I didn't want to miss Thanksgiving. Praise the Lord. <laughs> My turkey was too good. I was <laughs> and uh, when they finally did the operation and surgery, uh, they, the, the surgeon said he only had 36 hours before the gallbladder would have burst and toxins would have been loosed in my system. And when I thought about being here this day, do you know there's some things that the devil could have done, but he didn't get a chance to do it? Oh, you don't know what I'm talking about. It, you know, he, he, he had a chance to kill me, but he wasn't able to do it. And so today, I want you to give God a praise for what the devil didn't do to you. <laughs> Woo! Woo! What he didn't do to you. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Oh, glory to God. When you think about the goodness of Jesus. And everything that he has done for you, how in the world can you sit down on him? Why don't you just give him a praise? I said he's a good God. He's been so good to you that you need to give him the honor, the glory, and the praise. You could have lost your life, but the Lord preserved you. Oh, hallelujah. And see, we are in a time when you can't afford to just let life just go on without honoring God. It's too dangerous out there. Oh, I, could I, it's too dangerous out there. And uh, we just need to give him the praise. So I, I honor the Lord today, and I, I thank God for being here. Thank God for all of the pastors, and we give honor to our bishop, Green, and his lovely wife, Elder Common Green, give honor to them and just for their love and support as the International Bishop of the United Pentecostal Council of the Assemblies of God. Just want to just give a little bit of a, a correction on it. I heard the, the announcement on the screen. I said, oh, that's interesting. The New England District, a.k.a. UPCAG. I said, boy, we got a fraternity going on here. This is pretty cool. A.k.a. Ungawa. <laughs> feel like stepping. 
But we're, we're, we're so glad to be a part of an organization that has called us together as a fellowship because there is some really important work that we have to do. Amen. Give honor to my colleague and wonderful support, uh, Pastor Lorraine Thornhill. Give it up for Pastor Lorraine Thornhill. We honor you. This, this is the first holiness church, VIPC, over here. VIP, VIP. <laughs> Give out to our pastor, Clayton Wood, his lovely wife, Angela Wood, Christian Mission Holiness Church. My cousin. Thank you, sir. And uh, wonderful brother in Christ, Pastor Warren Collins, pastor of Calvary Praise and Worship. And also, I honor his wife, even though she couldn't be here, Lynn Collins. So glad you're here. So glad you're here. And I cannot forget my, my wife, the Reverend Dr. Virginia Ward. And I got a general here, the Reverend Aiden C. Ward, my dad. I'm glad so dad, my dad. Too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen, amen. And all to, all to all the elders and ministers of our, of our churches, saints and friends indeed, we're so delighted to be here with you. Amen. We're going to get right to the word because I recognize uh, we are certainly here and it's, it's about 12, 19, and I want to get you out before football at 1 o'clock. Praise the Lord. Come on now. Can the men say Amen. I want to see the game too. Praise the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Thank the Lord. Amen. As long as God gives us permission, we're going to try to work with it. We're going to try to work with it. Amen. Would you, would you please stand with me and turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. For those uh, who are in the, um, the video area, I'm going to read from the New International Version of the Bible. So if you can help me out here. I'll read from the New International, and I don't know what version you might have. Whether you have tablets or Bibles, that's if you go to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 to 11. I want to read that passage, and then we're going to see what the Lord will have for us today. If you have it, say amen. I have it. Good. It says, one day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding around him and listening to the word of God. And he saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into uh, one of the boats, and the one belonging to Peter, and asked him to put out a little from shore. And then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, 
I will let down the nets. And when they had done so, they caught such a large number of fish that the nets began to break. And so they signaled their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish that had, they had taken. And so were John, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. And then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. And so they pulled their boats up on the shore, left everything, and followed him. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you, Lord, for just the reading of the word of God. Lord, we, we know, Father, that your word is settled in heaven already. We don't have to add anything to it. We don't have to try to make it sound good. But, Lord, you have already spoken your word. And you said, Lord, that heaven and earth will pass away, but your word will not pass away. So, Father, help me to communicate, Lord, with clarity today. Father, let your word, Father, be clearly understood and embraced. Father, we need to hear a word from you. And thank you, Father, for each heart being open, our ears being open. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. God bless you as you're seated. I want to speak a word to you entitled, Work With Me. Could you look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, work with me. Work, 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 work with me. Work with me. Work with me. It was several years ago that um, my, my wife uh, had a speaking engagement for DeVos Urban Leadership. And at the time, my kids were probably uh, somewhere in middle school. I had two boys, Paul and Mark, and now... 20, about 27 and 25. And so this was when they were in middle school and uh, she had a speaking engagement and so I had the kids for the weekend. Now how many of you know that's kind of dangerous sometimes when you leave dad at home with the kids for the weekend? And so I'm home for the weekend and uh, we're just having such a, a good time. You know, we just kind of planned out our schedule. And normally what happens before my wife would go on trips uh, out of town because she was going out to just serve leaders in the, in the urban leadership uh, areas and in youth ministry, she said, okay, what I'm going to do, I'm going to make sure that I leave the house spotless. I'm going to leave the house spotless. I'm going to make sure the clothes are washed, or everything's folded, no dishes in the sink, everything's put away, house is swept and cleaned and dusted, and everything is just really, really nice for you guys. I want to make sure I leave it really nice for you guys. And I said, great, that's awesome, because I want a clean house. It's, it's awesome. And, and so, uh, you know, she, she cleaned up the house, and she spent probably a day kind of doing that, and I took her to the airport, and I kissed her goodbye. I gave her a nice juicy kiss on the lips, and I said, God bless you. God bless you. Don't worry about a thing. I got it down, and we got the food in the refrigerator, and everything else is going to be good, and I gave her the kind of schedule. And so when she got out the car and went into the terminal, I looked at my sons, and I said, it's on. <laughs> I said, it's on. We got the bachelor pad. It's on, man. He said, Dad, what are we going to do? I said, well, 
We're going to hang out. We're going to have some fun. And they said, well, can, can Chris come? And can Josh come? And can Jayla go? I said, sure, let him come over. And so we, we, we actually had a great time. We played video games. We went outside and played basketball. And, we, you know, I, we, we love pizza, so we ordered pizzas. We had, we had like five pizzas, ordered Chinese food. The only thing we didn't do was clean up. I didn't wash a dish. I didn't throw away a box. I, I didn't make a bed. Glory to God, I didn't wash out the tub. Oh man, it was like, it was party time. And so my wife was supposed to come back. I think she would come back on a, on a Sunday or Monday. It's like two days, two days, three days later. And um, I said, okay, I got the schedule. I'm going to pick you up. And uh, we're going, you know, things are going to be fine. So, of course, what do you think I tried to do? I tried to clean up the house. Because I recognized she didn't want to come home to a house that looks like somebody came in and robbed us. <laughs> so she called, she called, she said, I'm, I'm coming in, and uh, here's the schedule, pick me up. And I said, good, I got time. And guys, we got time to clean up this mess. Of course, we're kind of moving, moving around and we're cleaning up. And I get an, a call from her. She said, well, I'm coming in early. <laughs> Tell your neighbor, busted. <laughs> but busted. And, and so, we, you know, she came in the house. Pizza boxes were up to the ceiling. Trash overflowing. Dishes in the sink. Beds not made. Kids had on shirts that they had on for two days. No need to shower. We're all guys. That's just a waste of water. I don't need to shower. You know, just, just brush your teeth. At least get the, you know, the pepperoni off your tooth or something. And when she came in the house, she said, what happened in here? And she looked at me and, the, and she said, honey, we don't have to live like this. And she said, right now, all y'all going to have to work with me to straighten out this mess. And from that time on, I never did that again. <laughs> and do you realize that what I'm saying to you is it's, it's an important thing to understand that we live in a world that's a mess. Do, do you not see what's going on in your world that it's a mess? See, the God that you serve and the God that I serve, that he is a God that likes to straighten out mess. In the beginning, and we look at Genesis, we see that in the beginning, God creates the heaven and the earth. But also the earth was out form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep and, deep, and the spirit of God moves on the face of the waters. God sees that the earth is a mess. And rather than him standing back and saying, oh, it's a mess, he rolls up his sleeves, as it were, and he begins to work on it. How many of you know that if you want to straighten out a mess, you got to go to work on it? 
And so he went to work by speaking his word. And so he started speaking his word. He said, let there be light. And there was light. He started to bring separation and order to things and bring, uh, uh, put things in its proper place. He started to redeem what was a mess and what, was, what was, seemed to be lost. And, you know, it seems like that is just like us, that no matter how much of a mess you might be in, God is still able to redeem you. No matter how much your finances are a mess, God's still able to redeem your money. And so he, he speaks and he begins to bring order to it. But as he looks at the earth, he finds that man was needed to be one who was the agent on the earth. And as he creates man and as he forms man out of the dust of the ground, blows the breath of life in him, he becomes a living nefesh or a living soul. But not only does he become a living soul, he understands what it means to be in the presence of God because the Bible said the presence of God would come down in the cool of the day. And as he would fellowship with God and as he would uh, uh, communicate with God, God put him in the garden and he put him in the garden to work the garden and he put him in the garden to keep the garden and he put him in the garden to labor in the garden, to work the garden. God was actually saying, Adam, you are in partnership with me. Now, God could have come down and he could have took care of the garden himself, but he did not come down and do that. He, he actually had Adam come and said, look, I'm, this is your domain, and as you deal with this domain here, you're going to work this. That's why sisters don't ever marry a man that ain't got no job. Oh, oh, he's trying to get one. No, make sure he got one. Because God created us to work. Without work, we, we, we really have no sense of, really, of purpose in our life. Work gives us purpose. Work gives us, un gives us understanding of our gifts. And so the Lord put him in the, in the earth to take care of it. Not only did he tell him to take care of the earth, but when he brought the animals and he brought the, the livestock, he, he said, all right, Adam, I, I want you to name the animals. I want you to name the animals. And whatever name that Adam gave them, that's what they were. Now, God could have named them himself, but he said, no, I'm going to let man work with me in the naming of the animals. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, it says that we, as God's people, we are his handiwork. We're created in Christ Jesus for good works or to do good works, what God has prepared in advance for us to do. Turn to your neighbor and say, you know what? God has prepared something in advance for you to do. This is not something that God is trying to figure out. He's already prepared what he wants you to do. He didn't put you here by accident. I don't care if your father or mother has said, oh, I had an oops. There's no oops in God. There's no oops in God. There's no mistakes in God. He, he puts you here and he ordains you so that you can fulfill a purpose for your life. And so when we look at the text this afternoon, we find here that Jesus is a worker. Jesus is a worker. 
And uh, when you read the first, uh, the, fir- the fourth chapter, you'll find that Jesus begins to go to work. And after his baptism, he's, he starts working on the devil. He's now going into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. How many of you gone through some temptations in 2016? Anybody, can I get a witness out there? You went through some temptations and some trouble in the wilderness of 2016. And so Jesus, he's, he's going through the wilderness and the devil begins to tempt him and, and begin, the devil begins to try him and say, you know, if you be the son of God, turn these stones into bread. And he says, you know, you know I, I'm going to tell you something, devil. I want to tell you that, you know, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. He said, it is written. How many know that it's important that when the devil starts talking, you need to start talking? When when the devil sends you an email, glory be to God, you you have, have two things that you can do. You can either open it and receive the information, or you can say, return to sender. See, too often when the devil starts talking to you, 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 you kind of embrace his, 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 his lies. And, and there was one time when I was, uh, you know, I had my phone and I'm going through my emails. And I noticed I was getting a whole lot of emails from people and things that I did not want. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Talking about spam emails. Anybody get them spam emails? And so what I, what I, what I did, I kept deleting them. And every time I was deleting them, the, it's almost like the next day I get one back. And then there's this little inscription at the bottom. It says, unsubscribe. <laughs> Woo. See, when the devil says, this is yours, you can say, no, 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 no. You don't understand. I didn't sign up for this. This doesn't belong to me. This belongs back where it came from, from the pit of hell. So when he says, you know what, you're not going to make it. You're not going to do well. You're not going to be able to survive. Your kids are going to be on drugs. You're going to say, you know what, back to sender. Don't read mail that's not yours. God is calling for people that can actually deal with the devil. And when Jesus comes out, he comes out in the power of the spirit. See, when you have been tempted and tried, you come out stronger on the other end. Anybody know what I'm talking about? See, I know 2016 was very difficult for some of us, but you know what? You are stronger than you think you are. You can pray better than you think you can pray. Hallelujah. You can worship better than you think you can worship. Because when you come through something, God builds you up for the next thing that he's calling you to do. And so he comes through the wilderness and he's tempted and he overcomes the enemy. And then in Luke chapter 4, 14 to 19, we see that Jesus keeps going to work. And the Bible says that as he goes to work, he's, he's now going into the synagogue. And as he stands up to read, the Bible says that he says that the spirit of the Lord is upon me, for he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he has sent me to proclaim the freedom to prisoners and recovery sight to the blind and to bring those who are out of oppression and to declare the favorable year of the Lord. And as he begins to proclaim this, the crowd start gathering and they begin to stop following Jesus. And Jesus then starts going to work again. He then goes to the religious community and he starts working among the religious community and he goes to Capernaum and he sees a man in the audience who is actually possessed by the devil. 
In fact, the scripture says that he has an unclean spirit. Do you know that there are unclean spirits that look around, lurk around us all the time? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and I said, well, Lord, as I looked at the scripture, I said, well, Lord, aren't all spirits that the enemy has for us unclean? But this one specifically says this one that this man had was an unclean spirit. Meaning that he had a spirit of contamination. He had a contaminating spirit. He had this foul thing going on. And do you know, if the enemy can't beat you in the wilderness, he's going to send spirits against you to contaminate what God is trying to do. See, contamination is something that you really don't notice until you stop feeling the symptoms. I, I, I don't know if anybody here has ever had food poisoning. Anybody here ever had food poisoning? I mean, you were, just, you were eating very well until just a little while, all of a sudden, something started to happen. And see, the enemy of your soul, if he can't beat you and kill you in the wilderness, he'll start to contaminate the thing that God is trying to do in your life. And so you wonder why you go to meetings sometimes and you feel joyful when you get in, but you real feel bad when you come out. Because, you know, these contaminating spirits are running around. You go to work and everybody, and you're, you're happy, you kind of had your devotions, you went to prayer, and you had on your worship music, and then you go to work, and then all of a sudden, you find that the atmosphere, the atmosphere has toxins in it. And then you wonder why. Well, how come I don't, I, I, I was feeling all right when I came in, but now I don't feel so good right now when I'm here. And see, this is why you have to undergird yourself with the word of God and undergird yourself with prayer and praise and worship and giving God glory even in situations where you find that spirits are around you. Because you know what? The greater is he that's in you than he where is in the world. And so as you begin to worship God, it's good that we worship God here, but can you worship God when things are going bad? I will bless the Lord how and all, somebody say all times, whether it's going up or down, whether it's going in or out, whether it's going well or unwell, I'm going to bless him at all times. And when you bless God, you're working with him. When you lift up your voice and worship him, you're working with him. But now Jesus doesn't stop there at the religious community. He goes to Simon's house. And when he goes to Simon's house, Simon's mother-in-law, or Peter, as we know, his mother-in-law, she's, she's serving, and she's stricken with a fever. And they tell Jesus, would you come and heal Peter's mother-in-law. Now, if you go to, go to Israel, it's kind of like the synagogue is, would be what we're sitting in now. Let's say this is the synagogue. Peter's house is next door. So Jesus used to do like we West Indians would do. You, you eat next door. Jesus would eat next door. I said Jesus was a West Indian. He, he liked to eat next door. He, the, the thing about it was that... Peter's mother-in-law, when she's sick, he goes over her and he rebukes the fever. She's healed. And the Bible says she gets right back up and starts serving. Do you know that when God delivers you, 
When God delivers you, you need to get right back up and start serving God. This ain't no time to be going on siesta. Well, the Lord delivered me, now I can do so. No, when God delivers you, you need to go back serving God like you served him before you got sick. She starts serving God. But when we look at the text, let me hurry on. We look at the text, we find here that in all of the work Jesus did, he was by himself. He was by himself. He was alone. There was nobody there to help him with the healing of his mother-in-law or there was nobody in the wilderness with him during the temptation. There was nobody there saying, you know what? I can help pray as you work with this man of this unclean spirit. And so what Jesus does, he comes across his disciples or these men who were fishing. We know that one was Simon Peter, one was James, and one was John. And as they're there, Jesus encounters them. Say encounters. Here's the points. He encounters them. There is a place where you need to encounter Jesus. Not just in a casual way, but there's an encountering where Jesus comes to these men and he's trying to get them to see that they are now going to be part of a team. And so what he does, he says to them, all right, this crowd is following me. And he sees Peter and says, Peter, Peter, can I, can I, can I use your boat? And he turns Peter's boat into a pulpit. Now, Jesus can walk on water. How many of you know Jesus walks on water? We got a water walking Jesus, but he didn't walk on water that day. He said, Peter, here's what I want to ask you. Will you help me by giving me something to work with? Will you give me something? Peter, give me something. In fact, can I have that? I'd like to work with that. How many of you know you got something to work with? You got something that God wants to use. You got something to offer God. And sometimes when we sit in, in church, we don't kind of think about, well, what is it that God wants me to offer him? What is the gift that God has given you? What is the thing that God has given you that you can offer him? Because it is that thing that could cause Jesus to use as a platform to get the message out. So he uses Peter's boat. And when you encounter Jesus, here's what Jesus does. He's, he's, he's kind of strange. He is. He's strange. And I'll tell you why he's strange. Because he just rolls up on you. <laughs> uh, anybody know what I'm talking about? Jesus just rolls up on you. Uh, I, I was listening to Bishop uh, Joseph Gallatin. He says, you know when you're a leader when God corners you. He just rolls up on them. Many times you expect God to do certain things a certain way, and he just rolls up on you. He'll roll up on you in your sleep. I'm here. He'll roll up on you when you're in the bathroom reading Time magazine. See, so y'all so too spiritual. Y'all too spiritual. He will roll up on you, not when you're just worshiping God. He'll roll up on you while you're at your computer and you're working. He'll roll right up on you. 
See, if you look at all of the prophets and, and many of those, like Moses, Moses was just keeping sheep. And the Lord just rolled up on him. Moses. Anybody know what I'm talking about? And some of you, God has rolled up on you. He, he's rolled up on you because you know why? You, you, you have always have an answer why you won't do what he's called you to do. So he catches you by surprise. Oh, glory to God. He'll catch you by surprise. So here he is. He rolls up on him. He says, Peter, man, give me the boat. This can help my cause. Secondly, he engages with, with, the, with these disciples. Jesus is engaging with them. And, and when it comes to this engagement, he goes to the next phase and says, you know, all right, you gave me a boat. Now here's what, what I want to do. I want to do something much deeper than just using your boat. And he tells them, he says, okay, we're going to push off a little further. And I know you have nets and I want you to take your nets and I want you to put them on the other side so we can catch a fish. And Simon says, how many know when Simon says that's trouble? <laughs> Anybody play Simon Says? You play Simon Says all the time. And you put your name in there, Larry Says. And so it comes to the point where he's trying to get their attention to say, you know, all right, here, here, here's what we got to do. We're going to put out, we want you to put out in deep water. I want you to put out in deep water, disciples. And then Peter says, well, Lord, let me just, let me just give you a, a, an understanding of the condition of things. Let me tell you the condition of things. How many of you know you always come up with some condition of things when God is telling you what to do? Oh, I want you to tithe. Well, Lord, I'm going to tell you the condition of things. And here's my condition. Do you know uh, uh, my, I have fixed income? And the Lord saying, well, who fixed it? <laughs> who, who, who fixed your income? And, 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 and we come to this place where he's saying to, them, to Peter, 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 I, I know that you understand fishing. I know that you have expertise. But don't let your head talk you out of what I'm calling you to do. Could I hear amen on that? Some of us in this room, you have, God has put a dream in your heart, but your head keeps talking to you. Oh, it won't work, you know, you know, it won't work, it won't work. I tried, I tried that before. I tried that before. It just didn't work. I, I don't know. I, I know how to do it, but it didn't work before. And you know something? When God begins to deal with us, he does not want to hear that your conditions Oh, you hear what I'm saying? Your condition overrides the mission. Don't let your condition override your mission. But thank God he had enough trust to let down a net. He said, nevertheless, at your word, I'm going to let down the net. And when he lets down the net, let me hold on. He lets down the net, and the, all of a sudden, the fish start going into the net to the point where it starts to break. So he has to signal for partners. He has to say, look, Jesus is working, and I'm working with him, but we need more workers. 
Here's the problem. The harvest is not the problem. It's the laborers of you. There's enough sinners in this community to fill every church. You don't need to fight over any, anybody's members. You don't hear what I'm saying? You don't need to fight any, over anybody's members. There's enough people out there that will fill every church in this community. And so he says, we, we need some help. We need partners. We need partners. Jesus is working, and we need to work with him. And so once the fish get in the nets, they have to say, look, what, what are we going to do when we pull this in? And pulling the nets in takes a lot of work. Pulling the nets take a lot of work. It takes teamwork to pull in these nets. As a district, we don't just need a hallelujah, glory to God. We need somebody to pull in some nets. In other words, we need our nets to work. Anybody know what a network is? Anybody know what your network is? See, you need your nets to work. If your nets don't work, you can't pull in fish. How many of you got some networks? Raise your hand. Your networks. Your networks. These are people in your circle that you can call upon at given moments when you need to pull something in. The reason why we have to partner as churches because we have to pull a harvest in. You have to pull a harvest in. Everyone has to pull. Say pull, 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 pull. This is not, well, oh, God will do it. Oh, yeah, he'll do it, but you're going to have to do some pulling. When they put it down in the deep, the word deep, is not simply something that goes down or depths, but it's the word bathos, which means greatness. He says, thrust the net into greatness. Oh my goodness. Thrust the net into greatness. Thrust the net into a bigger, place. Thrust the net into a vast place. Thrust the net into something that you can't do yourself. Thrust your net into a bigger vision. Oh my God. How many of you got a bigger vision in your, for yourself? You got a big vision for yourself. The reason why you need a big vision because God said thrust it into greatness. Oh, my God, I just wish you heard that. How many of you know there are great things inside of you? That God is great, but he's put great things inside of you. Some of you are book writers. Some of you have, have, have the ability to write, paint. You're artists. Some of you have great uh, agility, abilities so that you can be an entrepreneur and start your business. But you have to thrush. You gotta thrust your net into the greatness of God. My God, I'm talking to somebody in this room. Because God is gonna pull you out of the smallness. Tell your neighbor you're thinking too small, you're thinking too small, you're thinking too small, you're thinking too small. If we can only get by, 
I was talking to a brother last week. We was just sitting down talking, and he said, well, you know, I go to church, and, and I just want to hear a word to get me through the week. I said, that's all you go to church for? You go to church just to hear a word to get you through the week? I want a word that's going to cause me to thrust into the, the greatness of God. I want a word that's going to challenge me to do something that is only possible with God. See, because when it's possible with God, he gets the glory. He gets the credit. You're going to say, how did you get that job? You don't even have the skill. I tell you, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Well, how did you get that car? I know you broke. I tell you why I got the car. Because God is a God who supplies my need. Hallelujah. God will give you a job that you really don't have the qualifications for. And so that you have to depend on him. You say, Lord, I don't know what I'm doing. I'm stupid. I don't know what I'm doing. But God, you are my wisdom. You're my rock. You're my strong tower. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're too smart for yourself. God wants to prove himself by thrusting into greatness. Let me finish. There's three things that you need to do when you work with Jesus. Number one, you got to go beyond shallow places. You got to go beyond shallow places. Some folks, I, I, I don't know. It's, how many of y'all can swim? Really, you, you swim? How many of you cannot swim? And you know you can't swim. <laughs> Hallelujah. So when they go to the ocean, I can swim a little bit. Now my wife swims very good. So when she goes out to a certain depth, I look. I look, I look. I said, Lord, don't let a shark get her. Because she swims way out there. I, I like to sit by the pool and put my feet in. And then I said, you know what? We went swimming. And do I got to win us out there? Oh, we went to the pool. We went swimming. You ain't swimming. All you did is put your toes in the water. Ain't going to no swimming. Hallelujah. And what I'm saying to you, get and push in 2017 away from the shallow places. Get away from your security. Get away from your comfort zone. The Lord put on my heart this past year in 2016 to, to bring the church into 100 hours of prayer. And I'm standing in the, in, in the pulpit and, I, and, I, and I, I'm hearing the Lord speak to me because he rolled up on me. Oh, you don't hear. See, while you're preaching a message, did ever God roll up on you? He rolled up on you and said, he said, I'm calling the church into 100 hours of prayer. And I said, oh, thank you, Lord. I was praising him. And then I started to think how I can break the 100 hours into 12 months. 
But that's what Simon was saying. But the Lord said, no, 100 hours of prayer consecutively. I want you to open this church from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. from Sunday to Thursday, 24 hours. Because I want to bring my people and thrust them into greatness. How many know if you're going to be thrust into greatness, you have to have a great challenge? <laughs> Do something this year that is going to challenge your life. Do something hard for a change. Do something that's going to say, God, if you don't come through, I am dead. Get away from the shore, shallow places. Number two, you have to live obediently. I didn't say just do one, one step of obedience. Live obediently. Sometimes you are not going to understand what God is trying to tell you. Because if I really understood how 100 hours of prayer worked out, I would have said, we ain't doing that. We ain't doing, we ain't doing that. We're not doing that. Because I'm not staying up 100 hours. That was my first thought. How am I going to stay up 100 hours? But we had to go through 34 watches. 34 watches. Someone praying every three hours. Ooh, Jesus. Because God was just trying to see if I would just live obediently. And through our obedience, let me tell you what happened. There's a woman in our church who was diagnosed with cancer, and the doctor said, by 2016, the end of the year, you'll be dead. You will be dead. Ain't no doubt about it. You will be dead. And as we started to pray for the healing of the sick, she went through chemo. And she wasn't getting better immediately. How many of you know sometimes things don't happen immediately, but you got to keep on going anyway? And all of a sudden, she started to feel better even going through chemo. Now, if you have talked to someone that goes through chemo, they feel terrible. But she starts to feel better during the chemo treatments. And at the end of the process, they looked at her and they say, you know something? We have to change the verdict. And so on third Sunday, I'm going to baptize this woman in water. Because what the devil wanted to do, he couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. See, your obedience is being tested on every level. Number three, none done. He calls them to work with others. As a district, we have to work with others. You cannot be a lone ranger in this Christian life. There's too much going on. And so he says, You got to come together. Bring your partners together. Bring partners together. Bring, bring people together. 
bring gathering together. You know what's disappointing? Is that people do not want to gather. It's like you have to force people to gather. But the Bible says that we should not just forsake the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some do as you see the day approaching. So that we should not have less gathering, we should have more gathering. Working together means that we're going to have to take our nets, our network, strengthen our resolve, bring our resources, understand our assets. So when you understand your net worth, you can't understand your net worth until you understand the assets that we have. Nobody in your church should be doing it all the time. Come on now. Nobody should be preaching all the time. Nobody should be visiting the sick all the time. We suffer from the Pareto principle. 20% of the people are doing 80% of the work. 20% of the people are giving tithing to the work. We got to change that. I said, we got to change that. How many going to work with me? We're going to change that. We're going we to change that. We got to change that. Because we need a world that is, is in, this, this is in chaos. We got to bring change and work with the Lord to bring deliverance. I'm done.